Hi everyone, this is David. Before we get started on today's podcast proper, uh, I just wanted to ask a few favours of you lovely, lovely listeners. Uh, Favour number one is get in touch with us. I want to hear from you guys who are listening to this podcast. I want to get your feedback on the show. What do you think of it? Uh, what what are the bits that you like? What are the bits you think we could do better at? Uh, if you have any sort of questions that you'd like us to answer during the course of a podcast, that would be awesome. I would really like uh, that opportunity to connect uh, with you listeners on that level. You can get in touch with me uh, through my website, xfilestalkxfiles.com. You can also connect with me on Twitter and on Facebook. Just look up David T. Harwood. And thank you to everybody that has already been in touch with me through one of those methods. The second favour is to please help spread the word about this podcast. The X-File community is pretty fragmented these days. And although we have the global rewatch going on and other things which are starting to bring all these uh, disparate communities back together, um, if you're an X-File and you know other X-Files, please help spread the word. Go on Twitter, go on Facebook, any other social media platform and share the links, share the news about this podcast. That would really, really be doing us a massive favor and help getting the word out there. Also, regardless of whether you subscribe or listen using iTunes, please go onto iTunes, look at our podcast page, and leave a rating and a review. If you can subscribe as well, that's great. Subscribing and leaving reviews is what helps bump us up in the charts. So if somebody was to search for an X-Files podcast, having more reviews on there, having more people subscribe to this podcast through iTunes will actually help us to get a better ranking. And that, again, will help increase our exposure and get more people listening to this show. The third favor I have to ask is... Um, to help support this show beyond just spreading the word, beyond becoming involved, to help us out financially. It does take a lot of time, it does take money to produce this podcast on a weekly basis. We're going to continue regardless. We are committed to take you right through every episode, every movie that has already been produced. When the revival starts come January, we're going to be doing a new show every week to talk about the newest episode that is aired. If, as looks highly likely, the show will continue beyond these six episodes, we have another revival in a year or two, we're going to come back. I'm certainly going to come back. But in the short term, it, it does take money, it does take time to do this on a weekly basis. You can support this show. If you want to give us a donation, great gladly accepted but you don't even have to do that if you go to xfiles talkxfiles.com there's a link there it's an affiliate link which will take you across to amazon.com just the regular amazon that you use to do all of your regular shopping if you use that link a little bit of the money that you spend will come back to help support the show it doesn't cost you anything extra if you go through that link and you buy stuff that you're going to buy anyway it's not going to cost you a cent more. It's going to be exactly the same price that you would normally spend, but because Amazon recognizes us sending you to that website, we get rewarded. We get a little bit of the money back that you spend. So if you are going to be spending some money on Amazon soon, if you've been wanting to take out a free trial of Amazon Prime, please do it through that link. A little bit of the money uh, that does get spent will come back 
and it will help support this show, support our costs, um, because I really love doing the show and I'm committed to doing the show regardless. Um, but as I said, it does take up a lot of my time. I know, and I am spending, I am putting money out to do this show. So if you guys can help support me on the financial aspect, it just makes things a little bit easier. That's it. If you can go ahead and do all three of those things, I would be a very happy man. Um, but enough of me waffling on uh, asking for favours. Um, I do really appreciate it. Uh, but let's get on with the show. Thank you. Hello and welcome to X-Files Talk X-Files, the only podcast that has tried and failed to read Dostoevsky. <laughs> I'm your host David Harwood and joining me this week I have Tiffany Duvall, I have Avi Kihara and I have Garrett Duvall. Hello everybody, thank you for coming along. Hi. How you doing? Hey. <laughs> How is everybody tonight? I'm, I'm good. I have an IV right now, but I'm good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you ask for something sweet from the vending machine? Well, yeah. I'll do that next time. But right <laughs> she now. asked for Pepsi, and they gave her an IV anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been an interesting week in, the, in this side of the world, so it's, it's, it's been fine. <laughs> Okay, on today's podcast, uh, we're going to talk uh, the uh, two-parter that ended season three and started season four, and basically set up everything leading up to the movie. Um, but before we get into those episodes, uh, we have a little bit of X-Files news. Uh, so Tiffany, Avi, do one of you want to take the lead on that? Sure. Um, so today, the, the most recent thing, um, of course, this is going to air next week, but... Um, Fox just released uh, a little bit of footage uh, with some of the new, the new series episodes, um, and it's just 15 seconds, but it's pretty, you know, out there. And the most shocking thing is like it, everything is on HD, and it's it just it's just so weird to see something that is X Files that looks like that. Yeah, and that's actually an interesting point because I've been. You know, I've obviously got the DVDs for all of the show, but I've been rewatching on Netflix for the podcast. And, mm-hmm. you know, up until the end of like season three was all in HD. And then I switched over to the uh, first episode of season four, Herenvolk, for tonight. And that was not yet in HD at the time that I was watching it. It was kind of weird to go from the, the lovely crisp full screen to the uh, reverse letterbox standard definition <laughs> right <laughs> for season four but i did watch a, a couple of episodes this morning and it looks like most of season four now is probably in hd so that's good yeah i think it was hd when garrett and i were watching it tonight i want to say the episodes we saw tonight were all in hd so. yeah i'm pretty sure they were 
Yeah. And by the way, I have actually written a trailer breakdown. You can find that on xfilestalkxfiles.com. So go ahead and go check that out. And then the other thing that we wanted to talk about was that uh, on XFN we've been uh, doing the Global Rewatch, uh, which was an initiative that first started with uh, Robert Press that went and posted this calendar with all the episodes and how it would be super timed to everything that a file should be watching to be ready for the new series coming in January. Uh, and we at XFN took it a little bit further and you know added live tutoring sessions to accompany those dates and and you know a whole set of promotion and um, and we even went and invested in having a calendar portion on our site that people can check in and set their devices to them and it's it's a whole operation going on and we actually have a, a whole crew of people actually maintaining this thing. Um, but then on July 7th, uh, Fox announced a, sort of a rewatch of their own. But the calendar that they have thought out doesn't include the movies, which is important to anyone that's watching the X-Files because it's not like you can just look the other way and, and ignore what happens in the movies. So if you're, if you're a new fan trying to catch on the show and then all of a sudden get to the end of season five and then jump on season six, there's a big chunk, big chunk of information that you're missing and so on for the rest of the series. N- never mind, you know, whatever happens when season 10 premieres and if they do a reference to I Want to Believe. So after much, you know, thinking about it and uh, so many fans actually coming to us asking for us to sync, um, we decided that we would, but even so, would still observe the movies and have special sessions on on a couple of days, so that on the day that we watch the end, we'll would watch also the movie that day, and and then at the end, we'll watch the truth. And I want to believe. Sounds good. So today, well, we are talking uh, to Lisa Kumai and Haranvalk. And I've only just learnt the proper pronunciation for Talitha Kamai. I've been pronouncing it wrong all my life up till this you point. S- you said that and I was like, is is that really how it's pronounced? I've said Talitha Kumi for I've like always ever, said Kumi. forever. Yeah, me too. Well, maybe we were right all along. I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> I've always so- said Kumi and then I've heard the last few days Kumai, Kumai, Kumai. So. Huh. Huh. I don't know. For me, it was always Talita Kumi. Me too. Well, there you go. I shouldn't have second-guessed myself then. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it brings an interesting point because now I'm wondering, I mean, I, I don't know that I ever heard someone say it. I think I just always thought that's what it was. So, I don't know. Maybe we're all wrong. Yeah, I think there's a lot of episodes which I'm <laughs> sure I've been mispronouncing my whole life. But <laughs> Let's go with Kumi then, because that's what I'm okay. comfortable with. And that's, sure. that's what uh, the consensus is. So these two episodes um, end season three, start season four. And it's pretty clear in retrospect that they're setting up the context for the movie, which is mm-hmm. uh, going to shoot at the end of, well, between season four and season five and is then going to come out in theaters at the end of season five 
So you have the bees here, you have a lot of talk about colonization, and uh, you have a lot of exposition here, sort of tying threads together as to what's going on with the whole smallpox eradication um, and all of that stuff. So it's um, two episodes where there's not a whole, whole lot really happens, but we learn a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, to start off with uh, Trifa Kumi, uh, starts off in a fast food restaurant. Uh, there's a guy there who's quite clearly disturbed, pulls out a gun and starts shooting people. He gets shot by the police, uh, but a man in the crowd comes along, put his, puts his hand on him and heals the gunshot wound, heals everybody. By the time Mulder and Scully arrive on the scene, um, there's victims, but everybody is fine. There's nobody that needs medical attention at all. From there, we go to Cigarette Smoking Man, and Mrs. Mulder, meeting in Quanakatag, Rhode Island, says so obviously some sort of history between them. Um, but after that meeting, Mrs. Mulder is in hospital. She has had a stroke, and Mulder rushes to her bedside, and Scully uh, takes it upon herself to follow him cross-country. So that's about the first uh, quarter of that mm-hmm. episode. Anything to do with any of that that you guys want to jump in with? Um, yeah, actually, one thing I thought was really interesting, and I only noticed watching it this time, is that uh, the shooter, you know, let the kids go away first, um, which made him seem like a pretty decent guy, even though he's kind of crazy. Um, and that kind of plays into the point that Jeremiah Smith believes that humans are good people and worth kind of saving, um, whereas Cancer Man, when they're talking later, um talks about how freedom's you know very not something that people really need and they can't really handle it and that um so there's kind of that counter that he doesn't really believe that humankind is like really good enough (laughs) for salvation in that sense which i thought was really weird yeah that's true because the you know the first person that jeremiah smith heals is actually the shooter um you know the shooter shoots several people and rather than immediately, like, you know, running to the victims, of course, granted, he knows he's going to be able to heal them regardless, but he he does end up healing the shooter first, yeah. uh, you know, before he, he goes to the other victims. Um, so that's interesting. There's definitely a big difference between Jeremiah Smith's outlook on humans and uh, Cancer Man's outlook on his own kind. So that's a very interesting dynamic that's played when they catch the the one you know version of Jeremiah Smith and of course he's in the the prison and then he's changing faces in front of Cancer Man who's getting you know at, at first he's kind of all tough and high and mighty and then when um, Jeremiah Smith turns into Deep Throat's character you can tell he's extreme you know Cancer Man's very unsettled by that um, you know because he more than likely because he was very good friends with both, um, you know, Deep Throat and Bill Mulder when they were all younger. So I think he can kind of put on this facade and and all that. But Jeremiah Smith's kind of throwing it in his face that um, you know he has this disdain for you know humanity, and yet he is human. Uh, you know, he has the same problems and the same fears and and really the same desires as as everyone. So. I don't know, this, watching this episode again, I kind of got a little bit deeper <laughs> into it, I think, than I have before. 
Um, but I do, I do remember the very first time seeing this, being shocked uh, that Tina Mulder goes to the house to meet Cancer Man. I mean, I was completely shocked when I saw that for the first time. Because then it's spinning, starting to spin that story for you now that Cancer Man is obviously more to her and she was more to him than just, you know, Bill Mulder's wife. So it's a very interesting kind of start to that. Yeah. So let's pick up the, the plot here real quick. Um, after they go and visit uh, Mrs. Mulder in hospital... Uh, Jeremiah Smith, the one who healed people in the restaurant, he's captured by cigarette smoking man, taken to prison. Uh, during that time, an imposter, which I don't think we know is the bounty hunter at this point, visits the mm -hmm. FBI and gives some statements, says that you know basically he had an out-of-body experience, hasn't got any memory of what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, Mulder then goes and visits the holiday home and takes a good five minutes to figure out the world's easiest anagram <laughs> and requires a piece of paper yes. and pen to do it too that's visual storytelling for you kids and uh, then we have those two scenes uh, almost back to back where cigarette smoking man is interrogating jeremiah and he turns mm -hmm. into deep throat then he turns mm -hmm. into bill Mulder. Mulder and scully go to bring in jeremiah but it's actually the imposter again uh, cigarette smoking man apparently frees Jeremiah because he's told him that he has cancer and presumably he lets him go in return for being cured. Mulder mm -hmm. goes back to his mother, encounters cigarette smoking man in the hospital, pulls a gun on him, but cigarette smoking man says that he knows the whereabouts of Samantha, which yeah. just comes out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Um, Mulder and X then have a little battle in the parking garage over the stiletto weapon that was in the lamp. <laughs> the real Jeremiah visits Scully at home because everybody knows where Scully lives. It mm -hmm. seems like <laughs> everyone's rocking up at her door. And Mulder, Scully, Jeremiah go out to the sawmill in the middle of nowhere and the bounty hunter turns up and that's our cliffhanger. Yeah. You know, the funniest part about all that is that Scully lets him into her apartment, tells Mulder that he's there. Mulder says, oh, it doesn't bother him that this stranger, you know, this guy is just at her apartment. He's like, just bring him with you. Come meet me somewhere randomly in the dark. And so Scully takes Jeremiah with her. But when they get there, Mulder is suddenly super panicked that he's with her. And he's like, Scully, Scully, come here. Come stand behind me. And I'm like, you just let her drive in a car with him for how long to yeah. get to you. And now <laughs> you're worried about it. You know? Yes. The best line ever, though, in this episode, because I, I love the interaction between Cancer Man and Mulder, is when Mulder <laughs> meets him in the hospital, and he's pissed off, obviously, and he pulls his gun on him, and he says, you know, I, I would shoot you right now, except they'd probably be able to save you. That That's one of my favorite quotes, I think, from some of these earlier seasons. Yeah. I mean, how many uh, uh, lamps are in that cabin? Oh, I mean, my god! They had, like, 50 lamps. I mean, nobody needs that much light. Whenever, whenever I saw the the the, the stiletto thing uh, at the lamp, whatever made me think about it was that, man. So okay, so that thing there. How many times would have Tina, you know, in the past, have to have used that to protect herself from like anyone coming into her home? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like is that like a thing? It's like oh well, you know, I've had to use this, you know, at least three times. And yeah. while you guys were like brushing your teeth, we were like killing 
people here in the living room and cleaning. <laughs> like, that was, like, the, the one thing I thought immediately when I saw that. I'm like, well, just how frequent are these attacks? And Yeah. And they how need it, like, right yeah. there by the couch. Yeah. Accessible. Well, there's, yeah. I mean, there's probably not many of those weapons around. That's why CSM <laughs> and X are both trying to get their hands on it. Yeah. Um, so, however they got this weapon in the first place you know maybe that you know it's obviously going to be bill Mulder who put it there and uh, presumably it's because he knows that he needs the most protection for his family because we'll discover later yeah. on he was the one that didn't want to sacrifice sending somebody away yeah it was funny when garrett and i were watching it and he said he said if if he smashes it and finds it on that first lamp i'm going to be furious it's the second lamp there are five lamps in that scene. <laughs> There's an extended the director's one. cut on the DVD where he goes through about 30 lamps. He goes through every oh room God. before he comes back to the living room, sees that one in the corner that he missed, and it's, oh, there it is. <laughs> and um, I don't know about you guys, but based on other cliffhangers that we've had so far through the show, this one doesn't seem like that, you know, that no. much of, a, of an exciting were- cliffhanger. We were saying that earlier. We were actually, when it ended, Garrett and I just sat there on the couch and we were like, were we disappointed? Like back when this first aired, do we sit there going, wait, that's, that's it? <laughs> we don't get any more for a whole like three months. That's all. Um, yeah. But I don't even remember that at all. I mean, I think I yeah. accepted that it was the end and that was great. And I can't wait I for guess, the next yeah. one. But it this time I was like, super- well, I mean, this episode really was structured around the discussion they have in prison or in that cell. Yeah, I think um, so too. It it was a very important moment, but it was almost so intellectual of a level that it was like too much to follow. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it, it, what they're talking about is very interesting, but having never read the, some of the, you know, the parable that's based off of, I mean, I would have never gotten the subtleties of why it's quite as important because the stuff they're talking about really doesn't become relevant until much later. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I'm pretty sure the first time I was like, oh, that's an interesting conversation I know nothing about. And I still felt <laughs> yeah. that way this time. I was like, wow, that's, they're talking about some deep stuff that I don't fully grasp because I'm not a smart person. So, <laughs> <laughs> And it just, the whole episode felt like it was based around that particular dialogue this time. Yeah. So I was like, and they're- mm-hmm. Yeah, just, and the rest was just a lot of information. Yeah. You know, it's like you said, David, it was information being, you know, kind of prepped for, you know, getting ready to get into the film um, that comes later on. So it, it I don't know, it's, it, it's weird, it, it, it's strange it being the end of a season. Like, it, it makes more sense that it would have been like a two-part premiere. Um, it feels kind of strange being a finale and then months later a premiere. Yeah, it's just, you know, a, a little bit of a lackluster ending to the season that, you know, in the past we've had cliffhangers yeah. just mid-season where Scully is abducted or, yeah. M- or Mulder jumps onto a train that's got a bomb on it, potentially. <laughs> Last season, Mulder died. This season, there's three of them in a parking lot and somebody else turns up. And yeah. that's it. Dun-dun-dun, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, it's funny because it you would net... After that, that is the last lackluster finale you had. So, um, you know. And I, I, guess, I feel it's yeah. also because they they 
thought about it as probably one episode instead of two. Yeah, because it feels even, like one. Yeah, I remember because I didn't see this, you know, live. I, I saw this episode when I got the DVDs. And because I, I came into the show very late. And, and <laughs> you know, because I saw them back to back, it made much more sense. And mm -hmm. it, it felt like, for me, actually, probably four episodes before this one and then moving on to season four and season five, it, it felt like there was no break in between those episodes. It actually felt very seamlessly. And, yeah. you know, it kind of felt like, there wasn't a point where you're like, oh, that there was a passage of time. No, no, I kind of felt like the 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 emotional, you know, level of investment was always very high. And whenever you see the show like that, obviously whoever saw it live it wouldn't have that same effect. But if you mm -hmm. see it that way, it definitely feels like one gigantic cliffhanger after the other if you do see it that way. If you yeah. do see it separately, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'm left here in the middle and I don't really know where to go. And I can totally yeah. see why it felt that way for you guys. Yeah. And then the opening scene of Heronvolk is it doesn't get take you back to that point. It, it does a little bit further in. But I think the opening scene is the, um, the guy climbing the utility pole. Yes. In the yeah. fields of Alberta. So you're kind of like, wait, what happened last? time you know and then it, it of course it comes back in and, and reacquaints you with it but um yeah i can see where if you'd seen it on dvds and just kind of went from one to the other i it, it feels seamless i do remember when seeing it live that it you, kind of been like in the end you're you're just like waiting for the bounty hunter like attack and then it's just like nothing happens <laughs> it's just yeah. like three people standing there in front of you know this mill and fade to black. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think that when I saw it, uh, obviously, you know, I grew up in the UK and I think they were sort of scrambling to catch up with X-Files to sort of catch up to where the US was at that point. So I think we went straight from season three into season four. So I probably only had like a week to wait between the two episodes. But uh, even so, it's not really the sort of season finale that you expect from X-Files. No, it's really kind of the only one that's like that, that, yes. that I can remember. Um, and it, it wasn't that it was bad, it was just kind of, you expected more, and then you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's it for this year, you know? And then you wait months and months and months, and then it comes back, and then you find yourself sitting there going, wait, what happened last time? <laughs> like, it took a minute to kind of jump back into where you were at and you didn't have Netflix yet and you didn't have, you know, the DVDs yet and all I had was like a VHS with a grainy version of, you know, Talitha Kumi that I had recorded. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It must be very different, like coming into it new nowadays, you know? Yeah. So wait, uh, Harenvolk, let me do a quick plot breakdown of that one. Uh, as you said, we start off in rural Alberta, Canada where the utility worker is stung by the bee and all those blonde kids just sort of look at him, fall down to his death and shrug yeah. and disappear they, over the hill. They like, kick his, they like kick in his head and then they disappear into the field. Yeah, it's like you killed our bee, dude. Yeah, I was like, oh, look, he, that kid's got Converse tennis shoes on and then he kicks the guy and walks off. <laughs> 
Uh, from there, then, of course, we, we go back to the sawmill, and that's where we have the whole chase sequence. Um, through the sawmill, Batty Hearn is trying to get Jeremiah Smith. Mulder and Scully are just sort of running around with them as well. <laughs> Mulder then tries to kill the bounty hunter with the stiletto. And fails miserably. He fails, but he thinks he got him. <laughs> yeah. Him and Jeremiah disappear on the boat. They leave Scully there behind without a second thought. Of course. Because that's what Mulder does. Yes. And uh, Bounty Hunter is obviously not dead. He's very much alive and takes Scully hostage, just waiting to find out where Mulder is going. And, of course, he supplies that information via phone call pretty soon after. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the syndicate are gathered around Mrs. Mulder's bedside. and They realize that they have a leak and they decide they're going to plant some information to find out where it goes. And, of course... That's the information they plant is that her life is in jeopardy because she's unprotected and that's what ends up being X's downfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, again, uh, Skinner finds out that the other Jeremiahs have all disappeared. There are six different Jeremiahs throughout the country. They've all disappeared. They all looked exactly the same. Uh, but Pendrel has been looking into the information that they've been collecting and realises it's related to the smallpox <laughs> eradication program. Mulder arrives at the farm in Alberta. There are all those clones of that blonde kid and clones of his sister Samantha, but she hasn't aged a day from when she was abducted. Bounty Hunter comes. They all run into the honeycomb. He gets stung by a lot of bees, then attacks everybody later on. X gets tricked to Mulder's apartment and gets killed. And Cigarette Smoky Man ends up having the bounty hunter heal Mrs. Mulder. Mm-hmm. This episode, more than the last one, ties into the theme of loyalty, which apparently Chris Carter was looking to explore with these two episodes. And I think it's mainly this second part than the first part mm-hmm. that basically he's putting Mulder into this situation where he has to decide between his pursuit for the truth and the people that he cares about. And there's a bit of a crossover there because obviously he cares about his sister, but going to see her, where Jeremiah says he knows where she is, that's more along the lines of his pursuit for the truth, you know, his his quest. Mm-hmm. And he does that rather than stays behind with Scully or take or forces Jeremiah to go and heal his mother in hospital. And Cigarette Smoking Man sort of does the opposite thing. We've established that there's some sort of history between him and Mrs. Mulder, and he's more interested, when it comes down to it, to free Jeremiah to heal himself, and then to have the bounty hunter heal Mrs. Mulder. Mm-hmm. Even though he uses the same excuse he's used about 20 times by now that he doesn't want to <laughs> risk turning one man's quest into a crusade. Yeah. And Martin Mulder. Is, yeah. <laughs> which is totally a lie. I mean, you start to realize, I think, that his interest in Mulder is more than that. You're now starting to see, obviously, he's had a relationship with his mother. Um, you know, he has an interest in Mulder, he has an interest in Tina. And as a, as a, person watching you're starting to think okay his granted his his motives are heal myself first um but his very next motive as far as mrs Mulder is concerned is healing her and he even you know he li- he basically lies to the bounty hunter who is obviously not understanding why he's being asked to do this 
And, you know, he's like, well, but we, you know, obviously we can't make Mulder upset. He'll expose the whole project when it has really nothing to do with that. Um, it, at least in Cancer Man's eyes. It's kind of like one of those rare moments of he's kind of doing something altruistic. That mo That's explored a lot later on, um, you know, of course, in season seven with Scully. But it's interesting to see it kind of explored a little bit this early in season four. It's also quite interesting that the bounty hunter can heal somebody who's suffered a stroke and yet uh -huh. is stuck with the scars yeah. from bee stings. Can't heal his own <laughs> bee stings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Garrett made an interesting point earlier when we were watching it. He, he, What did you say about, like... I mean, it just didn't make any sense. I mean, they can all shapeshift. They didn't have to even say the same names. I mean, that was a really bizarre need. Yeah, I guess it was like, just to keep it simple and easy to understand, which is kind of funny considering parts of the episode were so confusing um, as far as, like, the dichotomy they were trying to get. Because, I mean, even with this, what I think is interesting is um, the conversation that he has and uh, Talitha Kumi um, is talking about how giving freedom to humanity is a bad thing because humans will, you know, don't have the ability to use that freedom to save themselves. And so Cancer Man believes that he is, by utilizing control, saving humanity. Well, he's kind of, I mean, he, yeah, I, I kind of... I mean, with saving Mulder, you know, saving, um, you know, Mulder's mother, and with that in general, I mean, that excuse is that there's this desire to maintain order for himself. Yeah. And then he occasionally breaks it. And shows a little bit of humanity and that freedom, the desire to be a good person and be outside the realms of what he has to do. Right. But it's gener it generally benefits him as well. So he's kind of walking that line between doing the thing that makes him feel... Because obviously, I mean, he, he granted he gets a lot of power, feels a lot of power being able... You know, he tells Scully later on, I held your life in my hands. He... he likes the feeling of being the god, so to speak. Um, and that is explored later in an episode we'll talk about, in, you know, in the next hour. Um, but he does things that make him feel powerful, make him feel in control. Um, but at the same time, you know, he kind of has that softer side that he's letting through a little bit, but as I feel like he's doing it as long as he can predict the outcome, as long as he knows that he can move the pieces around himself. Well, I mean, to some degree, I think that's true. But, I mean, I think there's still that urge. Um, I mean, in later episodes, I think it becomes more apparent to try to reclaim his humanity and be, you know, a human being. I mean, I have to rely on, you know, control that he mm -hmm. would like to escape the life that he lives yeah, that's you know yeah, that's that is true. one that way by clinging to the past is one way of him doing that. I think, I think that was kind of what they're trying to get to is that he's a lot more complicated than it was led on to believe before. Yeah, and clearly <laughs> Tina is a lot more complicated than it was led on before, because um, all of a sudden you're just kind of like, okay, obviously there's a relationship that has existed here between Mulder's mom and Cancer Man. Let's see, what else about this episode? Oh, I, you know, interesting, in the very first scene in this episode, something that really struck me, um, when the utility worker is kind of convulsing up on the, you know, power line, I honestly was impressed 
that his reaction to the bee sting, of course, this is before, um, you know, Scully has her reaction. I was impressed that they kept her reaction very similar to his. Um, you see him, like, he's having a hard time swallowing. He's obviously kind of going into anaphylactic shock. Her, whether it was planned or not planned, her kind of reaction to the bee sting very closely mirrors what happens with him. Obviously, you don't get to the convulsion stage with her. or You do, but you don't see it on camera. Um, but I thought that was kind of cool, since this was obviously, you know, earlier than that. Yeah. What else? Pendril's fun in this episode. <laughs> Scully's kind of leaning all on him, you know, and he's, he, you know, Pendril's having I, a moment. I, I always feel bad for him because... He never gets to materialize any kind of like yeah. any loving feeling from her. He's no. always used. He's always he's, used by Scully. Yeah. He's super impressed, you know. He's like always impressed. She's like, oh, I think I can figure this out. He's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. But I, probably the most important thing that happens in the episode, is, or the important stuff is at the very end. The kind of the passing of the torch yes. between X and Marita Covarrubias is great. I mean, it, watching that again was a lot of fun. And of course, so. now she's gone on. She's in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Well, there have been a little bit of rumbling because she said that she was in Canada and you know how tight they are right now about you know, letting anything slip of who might be back or not. I need her to be back. That would be cool. I don't know if I need her. I have a list of people that I actually need. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. I do have a list. Uh, but I feel like in in the gist of things, I, I would need a season 11 for her to be back. Yeah, because I don't think that there's a whole lot of mythology being, you know, in six episodes to bring everyone that was involved at some point in yeah. mythology is kind of like a lot. So it is a lot. It was. It's cool though the way that you know Mulder shows up so dejected at their offices, and you know she tells him that you know the person can't meet with him, and he's obviously very distraught, and he's just like you know I've I've been trying, and and I've lost a lot of people close to me. You know I've had a lot of personal tragedy. He looks just completely beat down and just extremely sad. And, you know, of course, she hands him the folder back, which is supposedly the stuff that, you know, he gave to them. And But then when he opens it up, obviously she's put something else in there. And, of course, the picture it opens to is a whole bunch of clones of his sister working, you know, obviously in a, in a different operation, Um you know, and then she says to him, not everything dies, Mr. Mulder. So that was a cool, you know, kind of, she obviously is kind of attaching herself to being the the next informant to try to help the truth get out and, you know, feeling for his situation. Um, and, it, you know, in a way that X kind of felt for him, but at the same time, you know, X was kind of mean to him. <laughs> As well, I mean, he well, beat the crap out of him in the parking garage. I oh, mean, he, that was mean, the worst fight ever. I mean, he's mean, <laughs> but like, it, I feel like it's more like tough love. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Marita's I mean, more, yeah, definitely not tough love. But she's the young professional, and X is just yeah. not got patience for Mulder. 
That's yeah. true. Well, you know, I shouldn't say Marita isn't tough love. Clearly with, clearly with Crycheck, she was very much tough love. <laughs> really? So, really? Yeah. Can we go. Yeah, really? Well, you know, she lets him rot in prison. And, you know, she the, there are things that she could have done to help him. Yeah, well, I yeah. think she got she took care of that in that yeah. ship, in that boat thing. Yeah, I think she took that's care. true. <laughs> Not that he was any better to her. I'm just saying. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna look at <laughs> yeah. that. What, what were you saying, Garrett? It was the worst fight ever. Oh, well, I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, I'd envision that he would be a lot. I mean, you would assume that at his level that he would more likely had former military training, which Mulder wouldn't have, and could really just kick Mulder into the ground and it looked <laughs> almost like an equal fight which was unbelievable it's all the trips to the opera have turned him soft <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe he just was like, wasn't trying so hard um maybe <laughs> it was a little unbelievable that little bit of blood on the the corner of his mouth was like nope <laughs> that wouldn't have happened <laughs> It's interesting that the episode before these was wet wide and that episode ends with X and CSM in the car together and you kind of get the idea that maybe they are kind of equals mm -hmm. in terms of the power and authority that they have within the syndicate organization and uh, these two episodes are kind of put in that relationship, you know, it's sort of dealing with that power struggle in a little way because, as you said, we do actually have some moments of weakness here from Cancer Man. And you have um, X is obviously trying to take him down by exposing these secrets to Mulder, uh, trying to take away some of that power that CSM has. He's also then trying to get the same weapon, and presumably whichever one of them gets that weapon is going to have the upper hand with, this, with, with regards to power and authority in the Syndicate. And it's only because they realize that there is a leak and they find out that it is X he loses, he dies, and CSM's the one then who retains all of that power. It'd be interesting if they hadn't realized that he was the leak, that presumably X would have become a much more powerful character, and maybe we would have seen a totally different side of him, and he would have stopped pursuing um, helping Mulder at all. That would have been cool. <laughs> I didn't want him to die, so... I loved yeah. X. He was awesome. He was, he was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> At least you get him in a few more episodes after this. Anything else from either of these two episodes? No, I think we pretty much nailed both of them. We've done pretty good. So let's move on to the quiz portion of the show then. I'm really impressed with myself that questions I've written down we haven't actually given the answers away already. So that's brilliant. So wait, wait, so are we... Um, it's just five questions five and questions. whoever, whoever wants in it, first. Yeah, okay. go for it. <laughs> Thank God. God. So, uh, how do you spell Quanakatog? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? That's just not right. No, they should be a lot more easier than that. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, question one. What was the name of the fast food restaurant where the shooter gets healed? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, can you repeat that question? Yeah. What... What was the name of the fast food restaurant at the beginning of Talitha Kumi? Why did you do this? Why? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's, it, the, it takes its name from the same book that inspired that episode. 
the Dostoevsky one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I'm just—I'll hand you my father. <laughs> is it brothers or something like that? I, I can't is, remember the name of the book. Yeah, it's—it is brothers something. It's, Are you serious? It's brothers, Karam. Oh, I know it's a famous book. Yeah, I can't pronounce the title of the book. The restaurant is just called oh, Brothers K. Okay. What? Yeah, I, I know there's a name. I don't know what the name is. But... <laughs> yeah, but it's like Brothers Karamatov or something. I don't speak Russian, but... Uh... <laughs> okay, I'm angry that Garrett actually got Brothers. <laughs> that he got that far. <laughs> okay. It's a little bit... That That's maybe one of the harder ones that we have this huh. week, so... I've tried to do them in chronological order, so that's why. Uh, question two is what sport does Cigarette Smoky Man say he was better at than Bill? Water skiing! Water skiing! knew that one. Yeah. Is the right answer. I couldn't even let you get it out. <laughs> you said sport and I went, oh, I know. Yeah. 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 What is the tagline changed to at the beginning of Harenvolk? Deceive and bagel and obfuscate. Uh-uh. No, no! that's... That- Oh, it's later! Go go ahead, Abby. (laughs) It's in the next episode, or the next podcast. Sorry, go ahead. No, it isn't that one. What was the question again? What's the tagline? The tagline at the end of the opening credits for Haranvalk. The opening credits. Oh, it's everything everything dies. Everything dies. It is. Yeah. Damn you, Garrett. Okay, and we're going to jump now to the end of Haranvalk for the next two questions. Uh, What letters does X write in his blood? S R S G. Damn it! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Abby got that one first. God. Does she know what they stand for? Ooh. It's a uh, special representative of the Secretary General. Correct. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, uh, question five for today. What crop was being cultivated by the clones? Ginseng. Correct. Yes. Wow, five for five. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Yay. <laughs> Go team. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up here then. Next time around, we're going to be doing the first six standalone episodes in season four. Home through to musings of a cigarette smoking man. Thank you, Avi. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you. Thank you. Is anyone else craving honey? Probably would run a million miles Lose my little mind